Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is the Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. Presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up 6 o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. My name, well, it's Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. I say it every night. I'm blessed beyond measure. Hugely. And I hope you recognize that you are as well. Tennessee Titans are busy. Free agent season has been pretty bonkers so far. I love that word. I love when I get to use that word. All this stuff will begin to be made official tomorrow. We've seen a couple of spots where it looks like something was going to happen, and then it ended up not. In the case of Anthony Barr saying no to the Jets, I'm going to stay in Minnesota, which, well, you can't really blame him for deciding not to go to the New York Jets, right? I mean, we saw that Adam Gase press conference, tacos. But John Robinson getting it done. And look, no Antonio Brown. Some of you were upset about that. I thought that was kind of a pipe dream, but looks like maybe the Titans were closer than some thought. But what was the need on this team? One of them was the slot receiver. There's no question about that. They were the worst team in the NFL from the slot a season ago. They haven't had a slot receiver you can really trust in a long time. You might have wanted to go with Kendall Wright, but Kendall Wright had trouble staying upright. And so he's no longer here. So now you've got a guy that comes in in Adam Humphreys, who is a self-made guy if ever there was one. $615,000 contract two years ago on a one-year deal from the Bucs after being cut and waived and brought back and on the practice squad, signed from a tryout camp, undrafted out of Clemson, 615 to 2.9 to now 4 for 36. He's earned his money by playing extremely hard and being on a good offense run by a pretty brilliant mind in Todd Monken. Fitzpatrick looked like a wizard last year. Winston looked pretty good last year, too. I don't know who's going to catch balls for the Bucks for Bruce Arians. They must have something planned, or they're going to do some stuff in the draft, because not only did they lose Humphreys, but they also lost Deshaun Jackson because he decided to go back to Philadelphia. But Adam Humphreys, who caught 76 passes last year, that's more than Corey Davis did by 11 balls. And this is a guy who moves the chains. He's not a guy that scores a whole lot of touchdowns. He's only had 12 career targets in the end zone, but he did have 42 first downs converted a season ago. He is sure-handed. Corey Davis had a 58% catch rate a season ago. Adam Humphreys has a 72% catch rate. The only other team that you hear was really going after Adam Humphreys hard, and if you read a few reports, they wanted him to potentially be a wideout, not just somebody out of the slots, but somebody that split on the outside of the numbers. And Adam Humphreys did, last year, do that 13 times, which is a lot more than a lot of the slot guys. Most of the guys like your Cole Beasley's and your Danny Amendola's, those guys, 
they're in the single digits, and some are below five. I think Amendola two seasons ago only split out wide twice in the entire season, only lined up out there. Now, Humphreys does most of his damage inside the hash marks, which is perfect for Marcus Mariota because, for whatever reason, that's where he likes to throw the ball. He is not particularly great at throwing it outside the numbers. Those design throws that almost look like a robotic step to the left and throw it outside the numbers, he doesn't do those particularly well. But Adam Humphreys can, we think, be versatile enough to do that, but they may not need him to do that. All they need him to do is catch passes and keep chains moving because so many drives stalled last season. He may not be asked to catch the ball as much in Tennessee for Arthur Smith as he did in Tampa Bay. They didn't have a running game to really talk about down there, with all due respect to Ronald Jones and everyone else. Here, this team's going to try to run behind an offensive line that got better today, too, because of Roger Saffold, who we'll talk in just a second about. But Derrick Henry, it looks like he's going to be the identity of the team, right? I kind of joked about that a few weeks ago, that the Titans, that's always a question every year. What's, what's the identity of this team? What is, what is their identity? Is there an identity thief? What is it? What do they do? Is this exotic Smash Mouth, or did that die with malarkey? Are they throwing the ball down the field? What, what, what is it that we do? What is it that the Tennessee Titans do? Well, it appears like they're going to run Derrick Henry. That's what they should do. Take some of the pressure off of Mariota. You're going to get Delaney Walker back, and you hope he's able to stay healthy. If he is, he should still be a consistent threat. Corey Davis, man, it's going to be put up or shut up time this season for him. Fifth pick in the draft, didn't catch as many balls as the guy they just drafted that was undrafted out of Clemson, or that they just acquired, rather. But here comes Adam Humphreys, a sure-handed slot threat in a league that is going towards that. Paul Kaharski said that on the Midday 180 earlier, and he was dead right. Last year, slot targets doubled from the year before, and they had doubled from the year before that. And wide throws dropped to under 2%, from where they were previously. So generally, the league is moving towards slot targets. Guys like Adam Thielen, guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, guys like Tyreek Hill. That's kind of become the way you win. Look at the Super Bowl, Julian Edelman, and what he was able to do for the Patriots. How many teams that have not had a good slot target have been able to win Super Bowls this decade outside of defensive-minded teams? And when you look at DVOA at Football Outsiders... For Adam Humphreys, he's above a lot of guys that you would have thought or you certainly would have known as names prior to this guy. You may not have known this guy, but he did a lot right for the Tampa Bay Bucks, and he's gotten better every season. And so now he's going to get paid. You hear he's an incredibly good character guy. And by the way, that's also what you hear about Roger Saffold. The Rams are not happy to lose Roger Saffold. I reached out to Lindsey Theory, who covers the Rams, for ESPN, who used to work at Fox and the LA Times, and she was in a meeting. I was going to have her join us, but she had tweeted out earlier today, and she backed that statement up, basically saying, look, team is really sad to lose this guy. He was great in the locker room, and they knew how talented he was on the field. They just have the money to keep him. And so, John Robinson fills another need, because boy, did they need that. They needed that guard, and they're going to bring this guy in, and you put him with Lawan. Maybe Conklin is able to come back to form. And all of a sudden, the offensive line is so much better than it was a season ago. And you've got Derrick Henry, who if you continue to pound the rock with him, 
You bring back Walker, and you've got Adam Humphreys out there catching balls, helping you move the chains. This becomes a much more versatile, much more dangerous offense, and Marcus Mariota gets more weapons. Now, I will tell you what that means, folks. One thing that means, there should be no more excuses. Now, I'm not saying that they're done. Maybe they're going to do something else. This looks like it's probably about it for that side of the ball. It also seems, and I saw Travis Haney of The Athletic tweet this out earlier, he's dead right, this would seem to telegraph that they've got to go for an edge rusher or somebody in the front seven on defense with that first-round draft pick, unless they were to move out of that pick. But that's where the need is now, because they went and they paid Roger Saffold pretty big money. They paid Adam Humphreys $9 million a year for four years. And he's earned it, and that's a really good story. Somebody that has just continued to improve, who was signed out of a tryout camp, who played at Clemson, and who apparently is just as character as character can get. And you look at the culture that the Tennessee Titans are trying to build, there are a lot of quality people on that roster. And so Adam Humphreys comes in and gives them something they have not had in the slot. So I love that move. For the Tennessee Titans. It fills a need. Roger Saffold fills a need. And then Kenny Vaccaro, who I'm not surprised that we were right to think that the Titans were going to bring him back, but they should. Turned out to be a good acquisition. He looked like he wanted to be here. He played hard while he was here. And so he gets rewarded, and he's going to be here long term. And that's a great pick. I mean, that's a great move. It turned out to be a great pickup in the middle of the season when they needed it. And he came in and played very, very well. Maybe Sip's going to come back on a very, very small deal. But if he doesn't, Vaccaro is an upgrade at this point, I think, over Jonathan Cyprian, and nobody's really going to disagree. He's going to be the starting safety on this team. The Tennessee Titans have made themselves better. Now, you may not think this is the big splash, but sometimes the big splash is not the big splash. When Clemson hired Dabo Swinney, Pat Forty famously wrote, this is one of the worst coaching hires you can ever imagine. No one knows who this guy is, blah, blah, blah. In a season of bad coaching hires, this has to rank near the top of the list. Where is that now? And those, you know, that goes for everybody. Mike Mayock thought that Blaine Gabbert was going to be far superior to Cam Newton. Didn't understand what the Carolina Panthers were doing. Well, if you look long enough and people have been talking long enough, you're going to be able to find things about them where they were wrong. Adam Humphrey seems like a good move. Now, he got paid 36 mil for four years. You may think that's too much, but even if you think it's too much, you can't think it's egregiously too much. You weren't going to get Antonio Brown. Odell, if he's going anywhere, is going on a trade, and that wasn't coming to Nashville. Maybe Dorsey's going to pull that thing off in Cleveland. There's not a tremendous quantity of great receivers. Cole Beasley is headed to the Bills, it looks like. At this point, I mean, Adam Humphreys, young guy that seems to fit the mold, and John Robinson has a little bit of history with him from Tampa Bay, knows him a little bit, trusts him, and he seems to fit. So Adam Humphreys cashes in, as he should, and the Tennessee Titans get better. They get better on the offensive line. Saffold is a big guy. He creates a ton of space. He plays a lot, too. Now, he was on IR twice in his career. Once back in 2011, and then once in 2015. But if you look at the rest of his career overall, his first year, 16 starts. Then he had 9-10-9, all right? 
2014, 16 starts. Five starts in 2015, that's when he was on IR the last time. And then 15 starts, 15 starts, 16 starts. 114 games that he's played in, 111 he has started. He's been called for eight holding penalties, 29 false starts, 42 total penalties. But holding over the last three seasons where he has started all but one game he's played in, he only has one holding penalty. So you add discipline, and you add a guy that is just tremendous when it comes to the run game. And even though Saffold had said in past interviews, look, I'd love to come back to the Rams, they just didn't have the money. Less need, knew that they just weren't going to be able to keep him. You're seeing the Rams lose some of their pieces, and this is what we discussed. Windows close in the NFL a lot sooner than you think, and you've got to maximize it when you've got a quarterback on a rookie contract. Jared Goff's going to want money. Nick Foles just got $88 million to disguise himself as a starter when we all know he's a backup quarterback. More on that coming in the next segment. The Titans got better. That's important. That matters. We'll be right back. This is a Big Six on 104.5. Welcome back. Good Tuesday to you. Big Six here on 104.5 Zone. Rolling right along. I'm Jason Martin. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to helping homeowners become rent estate investors by renting their homes instead of selling. Renters Warehouse, the rent estate company. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. Many of you do. Those that don't, that's up to you. Sometimes, actually, you know, most of the time, I actually tweeted this out to my good friend Brandon Hagney, who, of course, you hear on Squared Circle Radio with me. You know him very well from his time on the Wake Up Zone. He's actually been on this show once as well. I said, sometimes there are people on Twitter that make me hate Twitter more than I already hate Twitter. Twitter is a necessary evil. I do like interacting with you guys. I do enjoy it. Whether or not you agree with me or not, it doesn't matter, but... I mean, I, I liked to get your input, and I like that you often make me think, maybe not differently, but you make me think in different terms. You give me new things to look at. But then there, you know, there are some folks out there that, quite frankly, I could just do without Twitter in general. I'm so tired of watching people pit the extremes against one another. There's a business in that, and there's also just, there's evil in this world, folks. There just really is. And we've got to be aware of it. And sometimes social media, it makes me think, man, there's going to come a day where I'm sitting on some porch out in nature in the middle of nowhere where there's nothing but that coffee, me, a comfortable chair, and the woman I love. That's it. That's the dream, folks. Anyway, you might think it's stupid that the Jacksonville Jaguars paid for Nick Foles. Not paid for him, but paid what they reportedly are going to pay for him once they're able to actually make this thing a reality. Four-year, $88 million deal for Nick Foles. $50.2 million in guarantees. That's one year after the Jacksonville Jaguars gave Blake Bortles a three-year, $54 million extension. To make room for this deal, Jaguars are going to cut Blake Bortles. They're going to eat $16.5 million dead money. They're using a ton of cap space on the quarterback position. And if you look at it from a numbers perspective, I'm going to quote from a USA Today article from yesterday that has a lot of these facts kind of played in. Steven Ruiz did a nice job with this piece over at USA Today. Since 2017, Bortles has a higher yards per attempt, 6.9 to 6.2, a near-identical adjusted net yards per attempt. That factors in TDs, interceptions, and sacks. 
That's more of a football outsider stat. 6.48 to 6.49. So basically the same. And Bortles has rushed for 687 yards and three scores compared to Foles' net 20 rush yards. Now, Nick Foles is not a running quarterback, and Blake Bortles does have the athleticism. But this is the part that I really want to point out here. When we hear these stories about how Nick Foles, they gave him more money so that he'd have more respect in the locker room because technically he's been pretty much a backup quarterback and doesn't have like the highest reputation in the league for just being some stud QB, except in a couple of playoff runs, which may be enough for some people. But This is from this article. I'm just going to quote it. Not much was asked of the Eagles' backup. Head coach Doug Peterson ensured that his throws didn't have to go that far. Only Cody Kessler and Jeff Driscoll averaged fewer air yards per completion, which measures how far the actual throw goes instead of the total yardage of the completion with yard after the catch. On throws aimed more than five yards downfield, Foles' passer rating dropped to 79.9, which ranked 33 in the league, according to Sports Info Solutions. And nearly half of Foles' passing yards in 2018, 652 of 1413, came on zero or one-step drops, screens, and RPOs. Those are the kinds of throws which don't require complex reads. They are the ones we typically associate with college-style offenses. Now, this could still work. Nick Foles has shown he can win some football games. He's also shown he's not really a consistent starter in this league. And that's what I tweeted out yesterday. They paid four mil eighty-eight or four years for eighty-eight million, over fifty guaranteed, to get a guy who has played pretty well in Philadelphia and has played pretty bad in a lot of other spots and was decent at Arizona. But we don't really know Anything except that Nick Foles does what backup quarterbacks are asked to do. And that is go in and not completely tank the offense. They're not going to be as prolific as the starters. If they were, they would be starters themselves. But they should understand the game plan. They should understand how they fit in. Things get a little bit simple. And maybe for Foles, they didn't have to get as simple because he had been around it. But they're not starters for a reason. Nick Foles is not a starter until now for a reason. They're going to let Blake Bortles go. They shouldn't have paid Blake Bortles last year. They committed over $50 million to him. Now they're going to let him go and just eat $16.5 million in cap space or in debt money. Now they're going to bring in Nick Foles, who I think they were bidding against themselves in terms of the money they're offering. Nobody was doing this. Mike Garofalo, which may actually be pronounced Garofolo, basically said the Jaguars paid him so he would have more respect in the locker room because his name's Nick Foles and not Tom Brady. So if they pay him a ton of money, the people in the locker room are now going to respect him. The guys are going to be like, oh, well, he's high paid, so he clearly he's good. What? What are we talking about here? This is a Look, you've got to have a quarterback to win in a league. I've said that I don't know how many times, and I'm saying that as if I'm the only one. Everybody who has a sports radio show in this country, whether you like him or hate him, knows if you don't have a quarterback in the NFL, you've got absolutely nothing. Which is why I suggested if Cliff Kingsbury and the Arizona Cardinals believe Kyler Murray is going to give them the chance that they want to run the air raid offense that he wants to try and run, which does not have a history of success in the NFL, then go ahead and do it and move Josh Rosen somewhere else. There are many places I think Josh Rosen could flourish. I don't think he's a bust. I think he's going to be a pretty good quarterback in this league. If you see a quarterback out there and you're like, that 
that dude right there, he is the guy. If he gets here for the next 10 years, we're in the playoffs, eight of them. Does anybody believe that Jacksonville upgrading, and I do think it's an upgrade, from Blake Bortles to Nick Foles puts them near the upper echelon of the NFL? If you're going to make a move like this, commit this kind of money, you have to think, all right, well, this is putting us in the playoffs. But is it, though? Is Nick Foles better than Andrew Luck? No. Is he better than Deshaun Watson? No. Is he better than Marcus Mariota? Mm, I don't even think that's necessarily true. So you just paid 88 mil with 50-plus guaranteed for a guy that may or may not still be the worst quarterback in the division. They were going to have to pay decent money, pretty good money. I don't know why they went above and beyond simply for that purpose, if that's actually true, if what the NFL Network is reporting is true. And let's not forget, if he hits all his incentives and just balls out, he can earn up to $102 million. But it didn't seem like that market was as strong for Nick Foles as some people had thought. And the Eagles knew that they had to let him go, despite the fact that he's a perfect backup quarterback, in that he's a backup that doesn't show much of a drop-off from the starter in terms of all you want from your backup is to make some plays and not lose your football games. If he can throw, that's awesome. If he can run and your quarterback can't, then that gives you a new dimension. Maybe a defense hasn't prepared for that. So if your quarterback gets injured in the first half and in the second half, you got a quarterback that's just running wild back there, escaping pressure, and getting loose in the open field, then that can help you. Now, if you get time to actually game plan for that guy and he's not Lamar Jackson, then that's not going to last. The thing is, backups are short-term solutions because once they get figured out, they are mediocre. Nick Foles was anything but great in that win over the Chicago Bears. Nick Foles was awful for about three and a quarter quarters of that game. And then he went Tim Tebow and he did what he had to do. And he found six receivers on the final drive. And I'm not saying Nick Foles can't play. I'm saying that is committing a lot of your money if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars. ESPN.com wrote an article entitled, Nick Foles headed to Jacksonville, but don't expect him to be the savior. If you expect Nick Foles is coming in to be the savior at quarterback, boy, do you have problems. And I mean in your front office. Here again from the USA Today article, new offensive coordinator John Filippo worked on the Eagles staff when Foles led the team to the Super Bowl, so he'll know how to get the best out of Foles. But the best of Foles is hardly better if at all, than what Bortles has given the Jags over the past two years, and Bortles did it with a battered supporting cast. But the question is, who else was out there that was trying to get Nick Foles? It seems like just about everybody in the league has their quarterback, whether or not you think that guy should be there or not, like in the case of Eli Manning in New York, but maybe they're going to draft Dwayne Haskins, and it's not going to be anything that's going to have to be a big deal, although I think they paid him too much money if they're going to let Landon Collins walk out the door. But... This at the end of this USA Today article, just like with the Bortles extension, no team would have paid the price the Jaguars did. Jacksonville was bidding against itself to overpay a below-average starter a year after making the same mistake. Jaguars going to Jaguar, folks. Nick Foles, you knew he was going to get paid. I have said, I don't know how many times, on this show over the past half year or more, that Nick Foles is a backup quarterback disguised as a starter. He is the perfect backup. And guess what? That is okay. Teddy Bridgewater right now appears to be the perfect backup. He's going to stay in New Orleans. He's going to stay on that bench. 
instead of going somewhere where maybe he could have competed for a start. We know he's not going to compete in New Orleans. So maybe he sits back another year. Maybe Drew Brees retires and he's the heir apparent. Or maybe he gets money next year. Everybody, can you good backup quarterback? Talk to the Titans, especially when you've got a guy that has missed time like Marcus Mariota. Blaine Gabbard ain't the guy. But Nick Foles as a starter, I'm here to tell you, folks, he ain't the guy either. You can go ahead and cross Jacksonville off your list of potential playoff teams. Nick Foles is going to win you seven games. Is that worth $88 million over four years? I would say no. We'll be right back. This is the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. Welcome back. Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. SEC tournament basketball coverage going to pretty much take me out the rest of the week. I'll be back with you on Monday with more of the Big Six. You'll hear the Pop Six office podcast, so that'll go up on Thursday or Friday, uh, probably in the afternoon. Also, Big Six blog, I'll have something up there in the coming days. And, of course, you can hear me on Fox Sports Radio 2-4 to 4, right here on 104.5 The Zone Sunday morning. So you will get plenty of me, but a lot of basketball to come, and our coverage of the SEC tournament is presented locally by Poncho and Lefty's Cantina. That's right across from the Stone downtown. Love that place. And our scoreboard update is going to be presented by Double Dogs. Come for the game. Stay for the food. Double Dogs in Hillsboro Village and on Charlotte Avenue at 40th. So visit there, and we appreciate them helping us with our tournament coverage. So the Golden State Warriors are... Losing to the Phoenix Suns a couple of days ago. And a lot of the talk is about Clay Thompson angry that the fans were not loud enough for their lackluster performance. These are the best fans in the NBA, probably, on a consistent basis. But now you're starting to see little little cracks in the armor of the Golden State Warriors. And then you got the, you didn't hear it, but you could read his lips, Steve Kerr saying, I'm so bleeping tired of Draymond Green's bleep. Well, we agree there. There's some things we don't agree on, me and Steve Kerr, but we do agree on that, and we agree on basketball in general. And so the question is, as we get into the NBA playoffs, whether or not the Warriors are going to flip that switch like they did last year. They were 7-10 and in their last 17 games last year, and then they went on to win the championship relatively easily. If they do that again, no one's going to be surprised. I'm still picking them to do it. DeMarcus Cousins has not really worked out. He has not been as bad on defense as maybe some of the metrics would have you believe, but he's been bad for the other side of the ball. He has slowed down an offense that works very fluidly. And he's coming back from an injury that usually finishes off most guys. A ruptured Achilles. And we are seeing a guy that's probably not going to want to sit the bench in the playoffs either because he's going to try to get paid in this offseason, whether it's in Golden State or somewhere else, probably somewhere else. And he's, you know, fisticuffs guy, and he's yelling at people, and he's he's being boogie cousins. He's not helping them out. But the bigger thing is about Steve Kerr talking about Draymond Green and saying he's tired of his bleep. So am I. I've been tired of Draymond's bleep for a long time because I believe he's a fake tough guy. I believe that it's not particularly tough to continually hit men in the nether regions on a basketball floor and fight random patrons in a bar for no apparent reason. I mean, you're seeing people behaving badly right now and getting rewarded for it in terms of Antonio Brown. You're seeing John Jones in UFC have, I don't know how many tainted tests and tainted supplements and still be used and still 
end up moving a UFC fight out of Las Vegas a few months ago to California. It's basically just because John Jones is that important to what they're doing in UFC. And now Conor McGregor, who, well, last time we saw him, he was throwing something through a bus and causing all sorts of issues. And then Khabib, the guy that was on the other side of that, has gotten into his own fracas. And then just yesterday, Conor McGregor was arrested for taking someone's phone who was trying to take photos of him and smashing that phone. And I saw that the counts were armed robbery, which is interesting. My question is this, and it's a larger question. It's not really about Draymond Green specifically, and it's not about the Warriors. It's about these people behaving badly and whether or not you find yourself gravitating to these stories and if you feel bad about it or not. Sometimes when you get behind a microphone, you're not exactly sure where a story's going to go. And I was thinking about this during the break, and I thought, well, maybe I'll talk about Draymond Green here. But what I did not realize was the real reason I want to talk about Draymond Green is because, honestly, the Spirit's been convicting me lately of sometimes being the guy that wants to watch the NASCAR race for the auto crash. The guy that is super entertained by Dateline murder mysteries. I am to the point where I really hope that I don't gain entertainment value out of negative things happening to other people. And I've been so guilty of that in the past. And I, you know, I just, I would much rather see life in a different way as an opportunity to say kind things to people and to do kind things for people and to live a quiet life and work with my hands as it's written and not sit around and look for the fall for grace moments not to prop myself up with some brilliant commentary but just to be entertained or just because the real human interest stories, the positive ones, bore me. And that's something, I, like I said, I've been guilty of that in the past. So I'm looking at Draymond Green and these stories. I don't really want this to be true. I don't need Draymond Green to be a jack wagon. And I don't need Conor McGregor to act like a jack wagon. And I don't really need Antonio Brown to act like Antonio Brown did. Antonio Brown bet on himself because he's that great a wide receiver. And was able to pull off something that probably a lot of guys wouldn't, but guys at the top of the sport would. There was talk about, should the Lakers trade LeBron James? Jeff Van Gundy said that on television over the weekend. It's an insane statement to make because LeBron James simply would nix it. Even though he does not have a no-trade clause in his contract, whether or not you believe those are valid or not, look at what Anthony Davis just did. Look what Antonio Brown just did. Look at these people that bet on themselves and simply dare to franchise. LeBron James owns the Lakers, basically. He's not the owner, but he owns the Lakers. When they brought him in, that's what they did. He took over. Magic Johnson can't let him go. So there's all of this talk about these things. and I'd, It's good for content, and it is good to pass the time. But I'm hoping we can find better things to do with our time. Russell Westbrook last night, getting into it with the Jazz fan. It's not the first fan he's gotten into it with. Doesn't believe fans should be able to say whatever they want. In a perfect world, that would be true, Russ. But people have been saying awful things to athletes like you and people in the streets for a long time. Russell Westbrook's argument is, if you saw me in the street, you would not say the kinds of things you say to me when I'm on a basketball floor and I guess presumably can't do anything about it. Looks right. 
But I said this earlier, evil does exist in this world. And there are people that are out there just to watch the world burn and don't really care about you or your family or anything and don't mean anything by these empty threats that don't realize you might take them personally. And that's sad in its own right. But we're seeing a whole lot of folks behaving badly and behaving selfishly in sports. And I am trying to go the opposite direction of using up my energy and my interest in this stuff. And I'm trying to find positive stories. I'm trying to find the reason we love sports. I did a, I did a whole show on that late last year. Why do you love sports? What brought you to sports? Tell me about your memories with your father, your grandfather, your mother, your grandmother. Going to games, watching games, listening to games on the radio, playing games, whatever it might be. There are so many negative stories and there's just not a whole lot of positive ones to balance those out. But as we talked about in the first segment, Adam Humphreys is a case that I kind of like because this is a guy who was undrafted out of Clemson. He was signed and waived by the Bucks in 2015 and cut. Then he was added to the practice squad later that year. Activated October 28th of that year. Fast forward a year and a half, April 17, 2017, he was re-signed to a one-year $615,000 contract. And then fast forward 364 days from that, re-signed to a one-year $2.914 million contract. This is a guy who is a self-made player. And now, it appears like, in a Tennessee Titans uniform, he just got paid. Because he worked hard, and people took notice. Now, if you think he's overpaid, you could be right. It doesn't seem like an exorbitant overpay. And it's something that the Titans desperately needed. And there's history there with Humphreys and John Robinson. My only question is what I told you off the top, which is how much of Adam Humphreys' success, especially last year, came because Todd Monken is brilliant. I mean, that offense scored a ton of points in Tampa Bay. They weren't very good, and that's not Adam Humphrey's fault. But Todd Monken's not in Nashville. So it's the same question as Antonio Brown. What's Antonio Brown going to look like without Ben Roethlisberger? Well, what's Adam Humphrey's going to look like in this offense? But it's worth the risk. But it's a positive story. Again, that dude was undrafted. And then he was making no money on an NFL level, and now he gets paid. That's better than the NASCAR car crash. And I wish I had been looking for stories like this for the last 10 years instead of hoping for the 10-car pileup and then saying, well, but I'm, I'm glad no one got hurt. That one's on me. I don't think I'm alone out there saying this, but maybe we should start to try to look at the world for positive stuff instead of everything that divides either on social media or just in our own hearts. Be right back. Pro and con. A really good story out of Pittsburgh. Coming up. Big 6, 104.5 The Zone. Final segment of the program tonight, Big 6 here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to helping homeowners benefit from the rental boom by renting their homes the easy way. Renters Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. Pro and con, something I like, something, eh, not so sure. Actually, pretty much something I hate. 
Adam Schefter reported this this afternoon, or actually it was actually this morning, but I didn't see it until this afternoon. Steelers are keeping are keeping linebacker Ryan Chazier and leaving him on the reserve, physically unable to perform list for the 2019 season. Steelers have not had a great last few days. $21 million in dead cap money that they just have to eat when it comes to Antonio Brown, who leaves them, and they get just a third and a fifth round pick. But this deserves a lot of applause. Antonio Brown, who claimed that Stewart didn't know how to treat people, even while he was going on social media to go after some of the classiest owners in the league, after meeting with Rooney, taking a picture with Rooney, the whole thing was a circus. But the Stewarts have had a, a tough few days, and Le'Veon Bell is just going to add to that whenever everything is decided there officially. But this right here, Ryan Shazier, who we remember one of the scariest tits we've seen in recent memory in the NFL or in any sport that just took him out. We saw him come out of the draft a year ago and kind of struggled to get there, but it was still a great moment. We've seen him a couple of times in the press box. He's He's... A lot of the things you've heard about him, he's doing better. But the chances he ever plays football again are not very good. And honestly, I kind of hope he doesn't. Not because I don't want to see him, just because it's not safe for him, I don't think. And this is from an amateur medical opinion. I just want to see that guy be able to enjoy his life and get back to as much normalcy as he can after what happened to him. But what the Steelers have done here is make it so they're going to keep him on their insurance. He's going to continue to earn money. He's going to accrue more time towards a potential pension and all of this stuff. It's just the fact that the Steelers are going to let their insurance continue to cover this guy's health expenses is just super classy by this organization. And it's great for their optics right now, but I honestly don't think that has anything to do with it. You could actually add a bonus con right here and say the NFL should have done this so the Steelers didn't have to. But they didn't. So the organization is going to take care of the guy that they drafted, the guy that came in and played hard for them until just a total accident in a game a couple of years ago. One of the scariest things we've seen in the NFL in a long time. And the Steelers are going to keep him. They're going to put him on the PUP list. They're going to keep him on their insurance. He's going to make some money. This is going to help every possible bit of his rehab and his future. And if you want to talk about a pro... It's hard to find a bigger one today anywhere than the Steelers getting this one right. And I would imagine this was not a hard decision for them to make. Again, they generally get these things right, which is why a lot of what we've seen from Antonio Brown and what I talked about yesterday as to whether or not his antics were just an act to get what he wanted, to get out of Pittsburgh, to get new money, which he did with the Oakland Raiders, or if that's who that guy is. But the Steelers, even though it's kind of gotten weird for them over the past few years, the James Harrison thing with him going to the Patriots, the Roethlisberger stuff, the Antonio Brown stuff, and Le'Veon Bell, there have been a number of things as of late that have felt very un-Steeler-like. This right here feels incredibly Steeler-like. And I am not at all a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I've never been a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, but I'm definitely a fan of this. Congratulations to the Steelers for making the easiest decision that you could possibly make in this case, getting this thing right and taking care of a guy who gave it his all for you right up until his body betrayed him in a moment that we'd all love to forget happened in the first place. So that is an ultimate pro. 
Now for the con. And folks, this is incredible. And you could maybe put con next to the name, at least with Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin, who was not there when they tried to go find her. Felicity Huffman from Sports Night and Desperate Housewives, married to William H. Macy, who of course is on Shameless. She's been an Academy Award nominee. And then Lori Laughlin, who was Aunt Becky on Full House, was on Summerland on WGN. Well, this story from the Washington Post. FBI accuses wealthy parents, including celebrities, in college entrance bribery scheme. The Justice Department on Tuesday charged 50 people, including two television stars, with being part of a long-running bribery scheme to get privileged children with lackluster grades into big-name colleges and universities. The alleged crimes included cheating on entrance exams, as well as bribing college officials to say certain students were coming to compete on athletic teams when those students were not, in fact, athletes. Numerous schools were targeted, including Georgetown University, Yale University, Stanford University, the University of Texas, the University of Southern California, and UCLA, among others. The massive scheme was discovered accidentally by the FBI while working an unrelated undercover operation. That tip led to a sprawling nationwide corruption probe. Boston U.S. Attorney Andrew Lelling. These parents are a catalog of wealth and privilege. This case is about the widening corruption of elite college admissions through the steady application of wealth combined with fraud. There can be no separate college admission system for the wealthy. And I'll add, there will not be a separate criminal justice system either. So, full house. And the school might have been too full of house, but you wanted to get into that house. So Lori Laughlin did what she had to do. And this takes me back to 1997 when I was graduating high school. With They were good grades if we don't look too hard at the math. But I didn't work as hard as I could have worked. That said, pretty good and solid SAT scores. I ended up going to NC State. I had hoped to go to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill in state. I was looking at UVA, but after moving out of Virginia, that was probably not going to be possible. So I was trying to go to Chapel Hill, and I got put on the wait list. And I remember numerous people at church who were alumni of UNC and various people that ended up at NC State, a lot of people had the same refrain for me. And this is something I'd never heard before. They just said, you got any relatives that went to North Carolina? No, I didn't. I was from Virginia. I probably would have been disowned, honestly, if I'd become a Tar Heel. But that, that's where I wanted to go to do what it was I wanted to do. And they said, well, if you got relatives, you'll get in. But if you don't have like a legacy there, it's pretty tough. And I remember saying, oh, okay. Well, I didn't realize that's how the world worked. I was too naive at the time. My grades weren't like through the roof. If they had been, I probably would have gotten in. But just looking at this story, buying your way into schools. I mean, there's fraud everywhere, folks. There is fraud in academia. There is fraud in athletics. We saw it at LSU. We're seeing it at Kansas, at NC State, at Arizona, all over the place. And probably a whole lot more that have not been caught yet that are doing all sorts of things. We got crew teams involved. We got all sorts of like women's sports and stuff here. Now we've got athletes that aren't even athletes that are finding their way into bribery schemes. What is happening here? Other than greed and preferential treatment. And status meaning more than it should. We all sit here and we care about things that ultimately are not going to matter. Everything temporal will go away. 
But you want the best for your kids, so you're willing, I guess, if you're Felicity Huffman or Lori Laughlin, and they're not maybe as smart as you hoped they'd be, or maybe they didn't apply themselves as much as you wish they had. Well, I will apply what I did and just pay, as they said, Lori Laughlin paid half a million dollars so that her two daughters would be designated as recruits for the University of Southern California crew team, even though they were not part of that team. And there are photos making the rounds and former tweets making the rounds right now of Lori Laughlin tweeting out being on the sidelines at USC football games saying, Go Trojans. Yeah. That didn't work out because Lori Laughlin's two daughters were not the Winklevoss twins. Fraud, man. Pride, man. Ego, man. Money, man. Greed, man. Stuff's insidious. I will see you next week. SEC Tournament Basketball for the remainder of the week. You'll enjoy that. I will talk to you on Monday. You can also, of course, hear the Jason Martin Show 2 to 5 a.m., 2 to 4 a.m. here on 104.5 The Zone on Sunday morning. Squared Circle Radio will be with you on Sunday as well. I'll have some pieces up at the Big Six blog this week. Pop Six, Episode 2 of the Office Podcast coming up later this week as well. Just go ahead and follow me on Twitter at jmartzone, and I'll get you taken care of. See you next week. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night.